Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we welcome back TJ Eberly to the podcast. Um, as you learned last week, TJ has been involved in the angel investor community in Charlotte since 2011 when he sold his, when he sold his company. Um, great insight from TJ last week. We learned a little bit about his, his love of being the crazy uncle. Um, we talked a little bit more about, um, you know, how he handles interactions back and forth with the companies that he's invested in. Uh, we talked a little bit about the difference between short tank and real world investing and, and everything else. Um, this week I wanted to pivot and just more focus in on Charlotte and his experience here in Charlotte. Um, so as such, we, we explored some of the different things like what strikes him most about the Charlotte angel investor community. Um, a lot of people here are real estate investors, right? So what's the reason to own or to be an angel investor in addition to, or instead of commercial real estate? Um, you know, what is, um, what's something he's learned from a company that's failed that he invested in, right? A, a high growth startup that it eventually fa- failed. Um, and what does TJ think it takes to grow the investor scene in Charlotte? So, you know, obviously, you know, one of the reasons for this podcast is we, we like to grow that base. And so we wanted his take on that. And then we also squeak in the, the inevitable question for TJ, do we need more capital or do we need, need more entrepreneurs? So, um, yeah, really, really good, solid, well-rounded interview with, with TJ today. Um, certainly hope that you'll enjoy this one as much as you did last week's. So TJ, thanks again for um, for sticking around for part number two. I really enjoyed our conversation for the first 30 minutes and excited about continuing here uh, for the next half hour or so. Yeah, my pleasure and uh, appreciate what you're doing and the uh, I, I enjoyed the opportunity to have the dialogue. So you've you've been active, or you are active, and have been active in the Charlotte investment community for a number of years. Um, what strikes you most about it, either positive or negative? Right? What if, what do you see that kind of surprises you? I'd say the biggest thing that surprises me, um, quite frankly, is how small it is, um, given the size of our of our city and. You know, especially including the suburbs that they're uh, associated with it. Um, I'm involved in a, in, in a few different uh, groups, um, well, several different groups, some formal and informal. And quite honestly, I see the same handful of people uh, kind of repeatedly associated with it. So it's uh, it's interesting to me, kind of how how small. Uh, this investment community is kind of given the size of, of the community in, in total. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you 100% on that. So let's dive, kind of discuss it a little bit. People are busy. Um, the Charlotte Angel or investment communities, you know, isn't or hasn't been that robust and hasn't seen, you know, successful exits. Um, you know, there's maybe easier opportunities, you know, real estate <clears throat> kind of jumps off the map a little bit here in Charlotte. So yeah, at the end of the day, why should Charlotte people consider or explore being an angel investor rather than 
being a limited partner in a real estate LLC or simply buying a high growth mutual fund, you know, something like the T. Rowe Price Blue Chip Growth. I mean, what's 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 a reason or what are the reasons that people should consider being angel investors? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things there. And I mean, obviously, you need to have a, you know, people should have a diversified portfolio of their investments and, and manage the risk there and, and associated with it. Uh, I think there's a, a great um, opportunity and, and a great impact that you can have to your diversified portfolios by looking at, you know, at angel investing in, in Charlotte um, kind of overall. So I, I would highly encourage it as a strategy overall. You know, for me, to me, the two, you know, not only is it part of my financial diversification strategy, in that, uh, frankly, I would rather invest in in people, and ideas, and execution than just kind of in buildings, i.e., real estate, or you know, other financial instruments like mutual funds and so on. I think those need to be kind of maybe part of your portfolio. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think to me, what angel investing allows is your investment in people. Um, you know, as a, as a founder and owner, I decided to invest in myself and, and my leadership team and so on. And this is an extension of that now uh, uh, in, in, in that. Now, that said, the investment in people, I think, also has two folds to it. One is the financial potential impact, um, you know, and, and the very positive returns and the high level of returns that you can see, you know, in, in these kinds of investments, but it also has a huge impact on the community, which I believe can have an indirect impact to you personally. Um, what's good for, for our community should be good for, for us and our families and, you know, a, a thriving, growing business community, um, that that isn't just you know the skyscrapers of, of Tryon Street, uh, I think is is needed for a diversified uh, greater Charlotte business community and is needed you know as a way to kind of help us continue to grow and and move kind of you know into the I've been in Charlotte for uh, almost 25 years now 20 over 20 years. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm excited for what could be the next 20 years, uh, but there's a lot of uh, need and, and diversification in this uh, business community that I've seen over those 20 years, but there's a lot more opportunities as well. So from an angel investor perspective, to me, it should be a, a purposeful part of your diversified uh, investment strategy. And then specifically as it relates to angel investing, the opportunity to invest in people for financial results, but also community results, uh, to me, I think is, is is something that I want to be part of. Do you think it's a bigger draw for small, either current or um, past small business owners to invest in startups than it is for somebody that sat in, you know, bank, not to not Bank of America. There's a lot of good things that those folks do, but do you think it's an easier um, easier transition for somebody that's owned their own business to be an angel investor than somebody that hasn't? Well, I think there's, yeah, I think there's some e easier ways to identify uh, with with founders and startups uh, for, for other, you know, either current or past uh, small business owners associated with that. They've kind of kind of feel like they've been there, done that associated with it. Um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of small business owners 
uh, may not have <laughs> the deepest uh, pockets, you know, without without a you know a, a big successful exit. Correct. So, so there are deeper pockets in the more traditional, you know, lo, you know, working for you know mid to large size companies that's associated with it. Um, that's where I kind of come back to, you know, I think from a from an a, 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 even from a financial advisor perspective is to to help to help these individuals that don't have that small business background, um, while they may be, you know, quote, customers of small businesses, they, they may have a little harder time to identify with kind of the, the, the firms and in, 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 in angel investing and so on. Um, but that's where I kind of come back to, well, let's talk about the impact to the community and how we can not only achieve financial success, but also potentially you know, community success, which again, like I said, provides other indirect benefits back to us. I think that education and that knowledge, I think, is is important. Um, I'd also kind of try to seek out those folks from the from the larger firms, again, that are are interested in investing in people um, and their products and services more than you know necessarily just uh, kind of buildings or financial instruments. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, what's, you know, we've talked about the opportunity and in investing in people and, and certainly, you know, the, the, um, investing in the community as well, but we all know that not every investment turns out the way that you want it to. So you don't necessarily have to, to name it, but can you talk about a company that failed and, and what you learned from it and kind of how that, shapes you moving forward well yeah and that's why you have a portfolio <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. across the board not just in an angel angel funding but you know across your financial uh, board uh, my high tech stocks didn't do very well yesterday so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they'll be a little better today but now nah, i mean in terms of uh uh you know startup or early growth uh, firms uh yeah i mean i the uh, I had a a uh, IT staffing firm that it was a space I knew very well. Um, quite honestly, um, uh, I decided to invest because of some former former employees who kind of wanted to to kind of go off and do their own thing, and it was um, I'd say again, kind of pro- providing that crazy uncle perspective. But I would say I was probably a little bit blinded by the kind of the personal relationship side of things. And it, they, the, as it turned out that I don't think their vision and their ability to execute in terms of acquiring customers and things like that, um, was probably as, as well formulated as it needed to be. Um, perhaps they were thinking that, uh, they could leverage, um, more than my experience. I maybe more of my, Kind of relationships and those sorts of things, which was which was not my intent. So there may not have been, I'd say, kind of full agreement between, not full agreement, but full uh, understanding or, or connection between kind of the, the vision uh, uh, for the company, kind of overall, and kind of led to some some challenges associated with that. Um, you know, we one good thing that we did um that we we defined what worst case was and unfortunately unfortunately we got to worst case and um 
since we had defined what worst case is, it took some of the emotion out of it, but basically had to had to shut down the business, kind of kind of related to that. Um, so you know, I think there's there's obviously lessons learned there, and uh, not just from my perspective, but but you know, for the other kind of uh, startup founders as well, and and you know, that's that's kind of part of the process. So yeah, no, you know, bad things happen to to good people, and bad things happen to good companies. Um, so as a lead investor, have you ever had to step in and run the company? Um, well, I did. And, and this, and, and this is kind of the same example for this IT staffing firm. So, so part of the, the original plan, uh, was for it to be, you know, either, either a woman or minority owned and, and, you know, leveraging the certification of that associated with, with that. And, uh, so we had kind of all the investments kind of lined up and we we're doing some things and about four weeks into it, our, our lead, uh, uh, our lead investor and, and, uh, minority CEO decided, uh, that she, she wanted to do something else and the financial terms were probably looser than they should have been again, probably because it was kind of personal relationships and, and those sorts of things. But when she exited the business, I had to step in um, to really kind of launch it and and kind of get it off the ground because the other kind of co-founders were more operational in nature um, and really didn't have, while they had the business experience, they didn't have uh, the making and running of a business experience. Um, so I got my my... Had to get my hands awfully dirty and kind of run run into the into the details of, uh, again, um, which was not my desired crazy uncle role. <laughs> 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 um, so uh, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, again, we, we were successful for a while. We helped some customers for a while, but we weren't going to achieve kind of long term success. So uh, we just we we ended up winding it down and. I'm happy to say all the all the co-founders and employees we had uh, all ended up in some great places and, and are doing some great things now. And outside of losing some money and and a little bit of, of pride, which I don't really need anyway, um, it was it was a, a useful experience and kind of understanding kind of overall. And you know, I think I use use that as uh, as again as as a learning experience for for me as I as I look to kind of help and. Uh, other founders and as I look to invest going forward. Were there, um, were there passive investors in that deal, TJ? Uh, there was, um, uh, one active and one other passive. So a total of three uh, associated with that. Yeah. So when you talk about, you know, having to step in and, and run a company as an investor, um, I would imagine a, a number of people, I mean, that scares them off, right? Does does sure. every does every investor have to, you know, fear that one day they might have to step in and um, and and lose the crazy uncle role and become become short term dad? I don't think so. I think it depends on the scenario and the situation associated with it, right? I mean, I think I think there is some some real uh, fear is probably too strong a word, but a, but a real possibility that that when you're investing as an angel investor you know and especially in the early seed rounds 
associated with that, especially maybe if you're the lead investor. There may be some more time commitment and maybe even money that's required than initially kind of thought. Um, and I think you've got to weigh that in, in from an investor perspective into what's your tolerance and willingness to kind of do do that. Um, in the case that previous case that I described there, I, I knew that that was a possibility. It wasn't something that I wanted to do, but I knew it was a possibility. I would say in some other investments that I've made, um, my time and in jumping into the trenches is significantly less likely. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, and and what what is more likely is whether or not the 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 company would would need additional money from either myself and or from the other investors. Um, so I think it's I think you've got to assess that kind of from the beginning and kind of understand from an investor perspective what your potential risks and tolerances are. Um, and, and kind of weigh it kind of from that perspective. Yeah, so essentially there's opportunities out there to um, where you, you jump in knowing that you might have to take on that role, but there's certainly other opportunities out there where you know you're going to be passive and kind of more alone for the ride, check in from time to time, and, um, and, and sit back and see what happens. Well, exactly, and, and I mean, I can use... Uh, I can use quickly use uh, Ecom Dash as an example where I was I was the the seed round if you will so I was kind of the very first lead investor and continued to be the kind of largest shareholder there, um, but I took on they the founders knew they needed a CEO that's actually how I got engaged initially and I'm like no 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 I don't want to be a CEO but <laughs> let, let, let me help you kind of transform this hobby into a business. And kind of take them through that and kind of lay the infrastructure. They convinced me to invest and I decided to. And then I, I played kind of the interim CEO role for about three months um, to, to largely to kind of stay close to my money. But, but really, <laughs> it was ultimately to, to have uh, a say and, and kind of pick the right CEO for them. Um, you know, and, and was able to utilize my network to be able to do that. And um, so I brought that person on initially kind of from a director of operations role, um, stayed, you know, right from the beginning with my investment. And then after about three months, felt like, you know, he was ready to kind of step in and I could kind of step out. And that, but that was all part of the plan there associated with it. Um, but so it's, uh, you know, it was, it was nice for me to be able to kind of, quote, stay closer to my investment than not but that really wasn't the plan and really wasn't what the organization needed they needed a full-time ceo and and uh we we knew that from the beginning so it worked out really well gotcha <clears throat> um we talked about it earlier on and you know you mentioned you know being an investor is a um you know certainly something you look from a from a financial standpoint you obviously don't want to lose money um, and so you're not in it from a nonprofit charitable standpoint. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> there, uh, there are some tax advantages to when it when it loses money, but it is not the end goal. Um, do you think? And you mentioned again that Charlotte's trying to do some things, but does does Charlotte need to look harder? And does Charlotte citizens need to look harder as far as startups being an essential component? of the business landscape here or we is the is the community in the city doing enough to to push the startup and entrepreneurial um environment here well 
I, I mean, I'll, I'll take the high road here kind of initially and say I, I appreciate and applaud their efforts that they, they've been doing, especially more recently. Um, but, but no, I don't think really the city um, really understands the impact. And, I, you know, I just kind of come back to uh, as a whole, let alone in Charlotte, if you look at where employee growth is going to come from, where it comes from and where it's going to continue to come from, it's not going to come from the, you know, the, as I say, the great, great big companies there along Tryon street or the one up in Mooresville or some, some of the other, you know, locations out there. I mean, those folks provide, you know, a a steady income and a steady number of jobs, but they're not growing their, their, their jobs. And and really when they do, it's typically through acquisition and it's actually a, Usually a net um, negative change there associated with, it. and again, nothing wrong with them, but that's that's just kind of the reality of big business. So, so small to mid-sized business is where employee growth is going to come from, or where where it has been coming from. Yep. So that said, <laughs> that's good for the economy. It's good for the community. Um, it's good for the tax base. It's good for all of those things. Um, so yes, we need to invest more into. Uh, the startup community as a whole, um, so that it, it, because it's good for our community, it's good for the the lower income side, the middle income side, and and even even from the upper income side. So uh, there's a, there's a lot that needs to be done. I think one of the one of the challenges that Charlotte has, and not not unlike a lot of other locations, is perhaps some of the folks that are are involved in leading it from a from a city and a city government perspective and so on may not have that experience, right? Yeah. So, so it becomes harder for them to, to, you know, make, make a, a, a bigger impact if they haven't had that experience. Now, you know, the key then is to surround yourself with folks that have had those experiences and kind of what to do and how else we can learn from, from some of the other cities that may be ahead of us. Um, but there's a lot, like I said, kind of in, in, in the beginning here is what is uh, really surprises me really even from a negative perspective of how small our, our community or kind of this investment community is and the startup community is given kind of the size of the, the community that we are as a whole. Yeah, so on that, on that note, um, and I appreciate the mild attempt at mudslinging, by the way. We'll see if we can't get a little bit deeper on the mudslinging with, with, um, with somebody else that's not as nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, anyways, do you think, you know, you mentioned the size of, um, of the community very early on in, in this part, too. Do you think Charlotte needs more entrepreneurs or do you think it needs more investors and more capital to build out its ecosystem right now, and I ask because this is a long-running interview question that I've debated with people back and forth, and um, you'll be judged and scored appropriately at the end of this call. <laughs> okay, in that sense, I'm going to say both, right? <laughs> uh, fair but, enough. So I think I think we need better entrepreneurs, right? Not necessarily more. Um, I think we I think we've got to arm the entrepreneurs with more tools and more guidance um, to help them be effective, um, which is then going to bleed into well it takes 
it's going to take money to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 you know, I will, I will lean more towards, it's going to take more capital and more investors, um, to really improve and, and, uh, you know, achieve what this, this startup ecosystem in, in greater Charlotte can accomplish. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think if we, if we were better at helping startups, um, in general, then we would have better entrepreneurs, um, and we would have better startups, um, and more likely successes kind of from those. Um, you know, I, I, some people tell me kind of how hard it is to get money in Charlotte. And I agree with that, but at the same time, there's a lot of money in Charlotte. So you just have to kind of work and you kind of know how, I mean, one of the advantages of Charlotte is Charlotte is a relationship town. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we're over a million population to have three million if you want to draw a wide circle around it, right? But we're still a big town. It's very relationship-driven. So that said, that makes some things easier to, to get access to, to capital and, and advice and experience and so on. The challenge is that we we do not have, a, in my opinion, enough formal uh, methods and and support areas uh, coming from the from the city and really even the state levels to to help enable that to happen. So, if if you happen to be, have the good network or get access into that net, network of relationships. Um, it's it's not harder in Charlotte. In some cases, it might even be easier. If you don't have those those connections, those relationships, that network, it is extremely difficult, and that should not be the case. Yeah. So first of all, let me tell you, I, I owe you a six pack of your favorite beer or a fifth of your favorite liquor. That's the correct answer. Okay. Um, thank you. More more capital is is the right way to go here. Um, but and I mean, you're right. I mean, you know. I think we've talked about it a little bit. There's, there's maybe 80 or 90 structured um, angel investors through the two or three different angel funds that are here in town. Um, but there is, there very much is that quote unquote dark money here in Charlotte, where if you know the right people, you can get funded and nobody ever knows about it. So, um, any thoughts on how to get that dark money out into you know the broader community so it's a little bit more visible? Well, I think we got to be purposeful, and I think the city needs to be purposeful associated with that. Um, you know, I think I think you know maybe there's some some awareness and even kind of some some training, you know, to some degree, or at least some you know creating some awareness and education uh, uh, for the, for for those folks that have the potential to be uh, investors. Um, associated with that. I mean, well, I also okay. I'll say that there's two prongs. I think I think there needs to be um, some additional kind of government monies uh, allocated and managed more effectively um, to support the startup community, and including in that may be some you know education, not just for the startup folks, but for those folks that have the potential capital to invest associated with it. Um, and then I think the ecosystem in general needs to um, be very purposeful and mindful of how do we, you know, increase this from 80, 90 folks to 800, 900 folks. And then from, 
800, 900 folks to 8,000, 9,000 folks, because yeah. they're out there. They're, I mean, there's, you know, we, we, we can, there's plenty of neighborhoods and <laughs> real estate, yeah. those sorts of things that we can see out there that certainly have the funds to participate in this process. Um, so I just think we've got to be, you know, I think that the, the city itself needs to, to be purposeful, but I also think the ecosystem needs to kind of organize itself in a way that uh, kind of provide is purposeful and find some ways to engage and embrace um, this larger community. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100%. No, that's exactly right. So, and would love to see, you know, 800 and 900 over the course of the of the next you know, five, six years, I think raising that capital flag in Charlotte would do a lot to attract, as you pointed out, um, stronger entrepreneurs to the region. Yeah, and I, I don't know why it is. I don't know if there's a, you know, if there's a perception of, of you know, folks that have, have the capital with, well, you know, nine out of 10 are losers, so I'm really not going to make money, or there's a perception of, you know, oh, I need to have a million dollars to invest, and I don't really have, you know, you know, want to invest a million dollars in this or, or what. I, I don't know what those perceptions are, but I think we really need to kind of debunk the myths and and get back to the reality of, uh, you know, an angel investor can make a significant impact on the community without, you know, seven eight figure kinds of investments, right? I mean, uh, there, there's there's significant ways where you know, these companies, you know, are looking for collectively, uh, you know, whatever, $500,000 million you know, in these early early stages, that there's opportunities to come in a much smaller level of, of investment and, and hence much smaller level of risk, but make a meaningful impact if we had the collection of folks there associated with it. Um, you know, and then as we start to, to look at more of the high growth side of things, uh, I think there's additional ways that, uh, again, that, that these invest investors can participate um, and, and even lend their experiences and networks and relationships to, again, which all benefits the community, which provides significant indirect benefits to us as, as you know, community members. Yeah, no, ab absolutely right. So, no, and if, uh, you being here today kind of, you know, at least to our small number of listeners and um, certainly helps with that. Right. I mean, I think, you know, your experience and the things you hit on here over the course of the last hour have really helped uh, from an education standpoint. I can't thank you enough for carving out some time, um, you know, here on a, on a Tuesday morning, just to sit down and shoot the breeze with me for an hour over it. So thanks so much, TJ. I really enjoyed it. Well, well thank you. William. Thank you for what you're doing. And that's what it's going to take, right? It takes a village and takes a lot of folks to try to, kind of rowing in the same direction to, to, to make a difference here associated with it. I'm excited about kind of what's hap has happened uh, in this community, but really the potential that's there. And, you know, if we can, if we can just kind of work together and continue to work harder and have that pa passion that we ask for out of our, out of our founders, I, I think we can make a lot of great things happen. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, I'm excited too. So thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. And I look forward to seeing you around. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks. So again, great interview today with TJ. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, Two-part series. I thought bringing you an angel investor again. It's been a little while since we we had an angel investor on the show, and and just to get his insight and perspective into the scene here in Charlotte, I think would be helpful. Um, next week, we're going to pivot back a little bit more to an entrepreneur uh, who's also done some investing on his own, um, Jude Colangelo, 
who is the founder of Eat the Bear. Um, many of you might not know the company, but they raised a million dollars here last year. It's a supplement company, mostly known for their proteins, um, that they put together really good tasting um, supplement protein uh, as well, might I add. So good interview with TJ or a good interview with TJ today. And certainly I think a, a good two-part interview coming up with Jude starting next week. So hopefully you'll stick around next week for another edition of the Charlotte Angel Connection. <laughs> William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.